Well, hello, everyone. This is Dr. Blue uh, at the Panhandle Weight Loss Center, and uh, great to have everyone. Got Dr. Bo and Chelsea. Hello. Hello, hello. I'm kind of tired. Uh, we just finished a push-up challenge, so <laughs> I'm struggling here, Bo. Well, you're going to confuse people because this is 15 days out being released. <laughs> the push-up challenge went out today, tomorrow. That's right, but if you are listening <laughs> to this now, go back and look because it will still be on our Facebook page, and you can see, you can count how many they did because they're not really sure. Well, I was and, at 85. And for all those that are dogging me out there on my push-ups, I actually, we're doing push-ups. So you, you can't say anything if you're not doing them so every winning. day. That's winning. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> winning. You know, I, I, you know in, in, if you're doing push-ups for volume, they're not the most perfect push ups no. I mean, they're not military push-ups. Um, but, you know, there's still some pretty full extension. Uh, I mean, my triceps are burning, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about that lactic acid buildup. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if you're Peter Atia and you're adapt to zone two training, you flush out that lactic acid. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. But um, <laughs> It was worth the watch. Worth the watch. I'll be honest. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I do look forward to going back and counting. Mindy's going to get a, she's going to have the official count for us. I thought I went over a hundred. Mindy, <laughs> you want to? <laughs> I would be willing to pay $250 for an accurate account. Go had a little wink. What's your wink price, Blue? <laughs> I, okay. I think the numbers will bear out to oh, be, be he's legit. Confident. Yeah, I think, they're, I think they're in your favor for sure. I'm a gracious loser in my old age. Not oh, so much when I was younger, but I can, I can take a lick him out. I, sure. see, I see some, com Bo is very competitive, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I asked for two months of training because, <laughs> and nobody granted me the training. It's like, it's like asking Floyd Mayweather to fight right now. He's not in training shape. You know? <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> That's part of the beauty of it is the surprise. Okay. Well, so I got, I got over 50 in a surprise contest. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, and the next one we do, it can be, what's your wheelhouse? Cause we knew, Ooh. you know, pushups, that was Blue's thing. He tells us about it, like, Hey, I do mm. my pushups in the morning. That's his thing. So the next one, you don't have to say it now. We can make a, it a one secret. mile for time. I'm just kidding. I don't run that much. So. Oh, that, wow. Those <laughs> would be the slowest mile times ever recorded. Uh, scratch that one from the books. Okay. okay. All right. Definitely. I'll have to take Back the to afternoon the off um, that yeah, afternoon. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd be going for the day. Yeah. Let's wait till like the fall for, for any kind of running challenge. One challenge we, we have at the house, the, the garage sometimes is uh, have an Aerodyne bike, you know, the assault bikes. Mm hmm. And just a one minute all out, Ooh. see how much wattage you can turn. Yeah. Mm. You talk about the only workout that you do for one minute that will make you vomit Im immediately <sighs> is, is one minute all out on that assault bike. The burning thighs. Oh, well, in your lungs and yeah. your brain. And that seems like a good workout to do when you're just really frustrated. You're going to just yeah. like get it out. Well, sorry, I bought the assault bike. We're going to get to what we were going to talk about <laughs> in a second. But I bought the assault bike when they released the article <laughs> on the one minute workout. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your metabolic health, your, your metabolism, how well you process energy is all about mitochondrial density. We talked about this on the last podcast, mitochondrial density is highest in the muscle. Mm -hmm. What's the quickest way to, to grow mitochondrial density in the muscle? It came down to this one minute workout. Research proven. I mean, I, Blue and I looked at that study a few times. So you get on the assault bike or just, an, you know, uh, I think. Older people would understand the Aerodyne bike, but new age CrossFitters call this an assault bike. It's the same thing, mm -hmm. you know, with the adjustable resistance. And mm -hmm. uh, so you get on and you, you warm up, nothing, nothing too strenuous. And then the clock hits and for 20 seconds, you just go all out. And then you take a one minute break. And then 20 seconds, you go all out. And you take a one minute break and then 20 seconds all out. 
and then you're done. I mean, it literally takes you three minutes for this workout. Mm -hmm. And compared to long distance running, compared to strength training, compared to everything, this this three minute, in reality, one minute of work has the ability to put the highest number of mitochondria in your muscle, improve your metabolic health. There you go. But building up to that 20 seconds is difficult. <laughs> See, I love a workout like that. Oh, yeah, I, I like to get it over with. Done. Yeah, it just yeah. proves you don't have to be in the gym for hours. Correct. Oh, yeah. I, uh, hours in the gym. That's a that's a young young person's game with no kids and yeah. uh, I, that is not me anymore. Nope. Yeah. I used to be that, hmm. but you know, thirty minutes was socializing. So. Yeah, that's true. So we had that going too. In Gainesville, I trained in Florida. We had a, it was called Gainesville Health and Fitness, but we always uh, refer, refer, referred to it as Gainesville Hair and Fashion. Um, <laughs> Because and this everybody was in there the was days. dressed up and everybody was, I'm like, there was no working out. Are people working out here? This is the no. days before Lululemon even. So yeah. This yeah, is, sure. this is, yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Academy was still the highest seller of workout equipment <laughs> yeah. back then, workout gear. Okay. Today we're going to talk about uh, a few things. Um, one big question we had come from the clinic AMA that we didn't address was, well, you read the question. You have it written down. Mm -hmm. So will my insurance cover the surgery if it's for a medical, not a cosmetic reason? Okay. We'll just address them as we go through. And sure. I was going to put the framework and then kind of go back. Let's just okay. go. Uh, so the, the short answer there is highly unlikely. Mm -hmm. um, there, we get a lot of patients referred to us. And unfortunately, uh, I think it's lack of education, but primary care and other physicians paint false hopes mm -hmm. to patients that, hey, I'll write a letter for your medical necess necessity mm -hmm. and saying that their insurance will cover it for that reason. And unfortunately, that's not true. Mm -hmm. um, insurance, it's interesting. They even have painted false hope to a lot of patients. Um, patients will call and say, well, you know, if your doctor will code it this way, there may, there may be a chance, but we have worked it on the back end. And basically behind closed doors, they say, no way, no how. And so uh, if you do not have bariatric true coverage, there is really no way of getting it covered. Yeah. Uh, and so let's, let's define that a little bit more. So uh, for a bariatric procedure, you have to have the code morbid obesity, which uh, we can get into the nerdy coding of it. But um, there has to be a code that says, hey, this is morbid obesity. And if it, if you if it, your policy uh, statement doesn't say weight loss surgery for morbid obesity, they generally do not cover uh, those cases. Mm -hmm. For example, we'll have an endocrinologist send somebody over for diabetes uh, and, and they'll say, hey, I'll sign a letter. You can have surgery. Insurance is going to cover it. But if your policy has an exclusion, exclusion on morbid obesity, then it will not cover those procedures. Mm -hmm. It's right. kind of the, and we've worked this seven ways from Sunday. Um, we've submitted, we've argued, we've done peer to peers, we've done uh, all kinds of things to try to help people in this situation. Um, and we see it frequently. Hey, I need my knees replaced. My surgeon's going to write a letter uh, supporting my case to lose weight for my knee replacement. And if you don't have coverage for mor morbid obesity, uh, that's an issue. The real thing, it, re it really lines, it really lies in, in policy and procedures and these insurance companies uh, because morbid obesity or bariatric surgery, weight loss surgery is generally listed under the cosmetic clause of, in so when your employer is sitting down to pick what they want to cover, you know, there's some things that they're all required to cover, like, you know, your family visit per year, this and that. 
Uh, and then it's like, all right, cancer. Oh, heck yeah, we're going to cover cancer. Diabetes. Yeah, we're going to cover that. And you got to click the box. You got to choose mm-hmm. what I'm going to cover. Uh, and then it goes to cosmetics and the, your employer automatically thinks, well, no, I'm not going to cover cosmetics. Um, and under buried under the cosmetic clause, which most employers don't read is weight loss surgery for, for, for this and that. So if you have the ability to take, talk to HR at your, your <laughs> business, or you have the ability to get the ear of an owner, you can have that conversation. And unfortunately the third party administrators, which are the people that help your employer pick the healthcare plan really don't understand that either. So they don't really lead or guide employers down the pathway to pick that. And, and we could spend a whole podcast on this, but it's, it shouldn't be under cosmetics. Uh, It's, we now recognize um, obesity as a metabolic issue. It's not a cosmetic problem. And so, but these insurance companies, unfortunately, they, um, they're not adapting like as quickly as they should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Anything else on that topic? Uh, I think one of the questions was, you know, covering visits related to that, mm-hmm. both pre and post-op. And that's also, that's been a very um, tricky mm-hmm. um, situation to say the least that, you know, if you have insurance coverage, yes, we can bill your insurance. When you don't have insurance coverage, um, trying to build the typical codes that we use on a day-to-day basis to address weight, most insurance companies won't pay for that. Mm -hmm. And so whether it be dietary visits or just follow-up visits, that's where we run into um, roadblocks with some insurance companies. And so we've tried to be patient advocates. That's, that's our whole goal here, but also we have to abide by rules and, and, and do what's best for, uh, the practice and ethical and within the guidelines. Yeah. And I think something that, you know, a lot of people don't understand, you kind of talked about that code, that morbid obesity code. And let's say, you know, you did have coverage for weight loss surgery through your insurance and you did that. Well, after surgery, a lot of times they still don't don't cover your follow-ups, um, especially when your BMI starts dropping. So Which you no longer, crazy. yeah. So you no longer have the the coverage basically once your BMI kind of drops below a certain threshold. So even if you had the insurance coverage before surgery for visits, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have it for those follow-up visits. And with dietary visits, um, so there are um, two um, like what would you call it? Like two insurance companies, like Blue Cross Blue Shield, um, and then United Healthcare that cover dietitian visits um, for diabetes. But that's it. Okay, Medicare covers dietitian visits for chronic kidney disease and diabetes, but nothing else. So unless you have like you know something specific, um, diabetes or kidney disease your insurance is not going to pay for you to meet with a dietitian. Like if you just want to get ahead of diabetes, if you've got high blood pressure, if you've got high cholesterol, you're not, they're not covering that for you. You're going to pay out of pocket for those visits. Criminal. It is. Absolutely. It's wild. And people ask me that all the time. Well, why wouldn't they want to pay for me to get ahead of it? Great question. I don't know. Money is the answer. (laughs) Short term money, not long term. I mean, insurance companies need you to be dependent. So they don't want to do things that, would particularly improve your health. Mm-hmm. They want you still needing that insurance and your employer wants you needing that insurance because it's a lot of the way they keep you employed is dangling that in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, if you leave, you don't have insurance. And yeah. that'd be a, uh, I think uh, 
is, what's the podcast stuff you should know the one i sent you the guy i met down in yeah. mexico yeah they did a they did a podcast on the history of employer backed insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. I mean, that didn't exist until the seventies, um, and it started with the Dallas Teachers Union. Yeah, at Baylor. At Baylor, yeah. and um, and that if you are frustrated with insurance and all things insurance, that's a great <laughs> podcast yeah. because it really explains how insurance began being tied to your employment. Before that, it's just some. It was like death insurance. It's like something you, you said, independent broker. You yeah. went and bought. It was cheap. It was affordable. Um, it's like your car warranty that everybody calls you about, you know. <laughs> uh, and that's what it would be like if, uh, you know, if it wasn't tied to your, to your employer. But <laughs> so we'll beat that up some other day. That's a spiral. <laughs> okay. So what do I do if I my employer doesn't cover? uh weight loss surgery or a care for morbid obesity um so you know or i don't qualify or something of that nature so now you're looking at paying out of pocket mm -hmm. right so whole nother can of worms so what are y'all's thoughts so i'm kind of pulling these statistics off the cuff right now but 72 um, percent of all statistics are made <laughs> up on the spot <laughs> So I think that they've been analyzing companies. There's been actual uh, businesses going in and looking at patients or employees within companies and looking at their medical issues, you know, diabetes, sleep apnea and all that. And basically weight loss surgery or bariatric surgery can basically, um, for example, some employees can cost up to 40000 a year in medications if they're on multiple diabetic medications, things like that. And, and the, the employer covers it, is, has is, a cover portion of is, it. Is carrying that cost. And so bariatric surgery uh, pays for itself within one year uh, because of the resolution of all the medical issues that go along with that as a weight-related uh, issue. So um, here's what I, I encourage patients. I don't have this direct conversation with them the first visit, but you're going to see all these medical issues improve. And there is a cost to these medical issues that you have. Mm -hmm. And if you can address those with surgery and by losing the weight, um, the amount of money that you're going to spend, if you have to pay out of pocket, long term is going to benefit you. And so um, why not? Absolutely. Yeah. And we've kind of talked before, just looking at the actual, you know, there's dollar cost, but then there's other costs too, you know, with longevity of life, what you're missing out on with your family, emotional toll, things like that. But even like you said, just the dollar cost um, is going to pay back within a year. Yeah. So we kind of covered that in the cost of not doing surgery. That's right. right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there, there's options out there. So if you're looking at just paying straight cash out of pocket, you know, that range, uh, depending where you are in the country is going to be, you know, 9,000 to 26,000, mm -hmm. um, you know, for, for a sleeve or a switch. Um, you know, we, we, we try to be very cost conscious here at our clinic. We, we bought our own surgery center. The only way we could drive down costs was to get things out of the hospital, uh, get it to an independent facility. Uh, so we, we've done our, our best to try to drive that cost down as much as we can. Um, so what are the other options? I got to pay, I got to pay cash. What am I <laughs> yeah. going to do? So this is what I wanted to bring up today is, is there's a lot of patients that go to Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, I think the numbers are, we definitely know it's 
in the United States, I think there's 200,000 bariatric surgeries a year. In Mexico, it's a minimum of 400,000. It could be triple or quadruple that. We don't know the exact number. So there's a lot of people that go to Mexico. And what I wanted to visit about today is, is Dr. Bo and I've been seeing a lot of Mexico complications and pretty significant ones. And so I have a lot of patients that come see me and I, and they are debating, you know, having surgery uh, with us or going to Mexico. And I understand, I understand uh, Mexico can do it cheaper. And we'll talk about why in just a minute. Um, there are some patients out there that have great experience. They don't have any complications. But that one complication that someone has uh, can wreck a lot in their life, not only their health, um, but it can wreck their finances. It can wreck their family. They're off, you know, off work for lots of time. Mm -hmm. And so I just want patients to be aware of before they make that decision that they have all the information. And so that's what I want to visit about today. Yeah. <laughs> Medical tourism. That's what it is. Right. So a lot of people you've heard like will go for plastic surgery to another country or you go get your dentures in Mexico or something like that. So people are doing the same thing with weight loss surgery, but it usually ends up not working well. And we've talked about this too, Bo and I have like, once you pay for your flight down there, your stay down there, um, it, it really actually isn't that much cheaper than just doing it here. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's more to it. So you, you don't get much support mm -hmm. I mean, uh, on the back end education. And let's say, you know, you, you, I think the going rate for a sleeve in Mexico right now is $4,800. Throw a flight in there. I think they cover lodging. Um, and you got to take somebody with you. So mm -hmm. add that flight in there. Um, and then say you come back home and you get dehydrated. So yeah. you're up to you're up to sixty five hundred right there. Right. Yeah, I yeah. would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then you come say you come back and you get dehydrated and you don't have any resources. So you end up at the emergency room, urgent care and say you have private insurance and you have not met your deductible. You haven't met your max out of pocket. I mean, the average ER visit for dehydration is what, three or four thousand dollars? Most likely. And so depending on your deductible, you know, you got to add that in there. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the, the back end support, you know, I really wish it was surgery and done you don't need anything else but it's that's just not the the case long term um so you gotta think about that um egd like if you say if you come back you have some dysphagia so you have trouble swallowing you have some nausea say so you need to get an egd uh, or a scope you know you gotta, gotta count that towards the insurance as well mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of things to consider it's not just that number you see on their facebook that says forty eight hundred dollars so today i actually saw a patient that I operated on two weeks ago from Mexico. Uh, basically, let me clarify. She had surgery in Mexico. You reoperated on her. Correct. So I won't. You know, we're going to keep this very HIPAA. But uh, basically, had a gastric bypass. Uh, presented one week after her surgery in Mexico, uh, and essentially they had, did not close one of the port sites, and a piece of bowel got stuck up in the port site. She had a complete bowel obstruction. I had to take her to surgery reduced the bowel. Fortunately, it was alive. Uh, we got her out of the hospital fine. Uh, but I was visiting with her today and she has no idea what to be doing, on, what to do with nutrition. Mm -hmm. So I had to send her our bariatric manual. She's going to be seeing you, Chelsea. Perfect. And uh, here's the thing is, is, is she's lost. She has chronic nausea. We may have to do a scope in the future. Just some major issues that I don't think patients understand when they make that decision. 
Well, and part of you it. drove it home. <laughs> yeah. This is the reality. And that's yes. why I, I want, I, I think uh, another, just a bow, just we, we talked about your patient that she went down and got a one anastomosis gastric bypass so and they mini, hooked her up back. gastric bypass is what people are purchasing, you know, on Facebook. And they hooked her up backwards. They hooked her up backwards. And I hope this is what we're praying is that she doesn't get major long-term significant issues. Mm -hmm. We try to correct her the best we can, but that's a very hard thing to reverse. Yeah. I mean, other things we see uh, just based off the technique that they use down there, um, frequent nausea, frequent vomiting, uh, frequent acid reflux. And it's a lot based off the technique. Uh, you know, they're sending people home. So they're over sewing the top of their sleeve. They're, they're doing things mainly because they want to get you out of Mexico without a problem. Without you dying. Yeah. And get you back to the States. Um, and so there's a lot of things they do to, to try to mitigate that short term that end up causing problems long term. Mm -hmm. And so also something you got to think about. Um, so if I wanted to stay in America, I don't have the ten, twelve thousand dollars cash just to throw down on the ground. Can I make one more comment? Yes, for your fun. Other things that they do, they use inferior staple technology. Um, my understanding is they use a China stapler, uh, which is very uh, well. I've never even seen the thing. Uh, it's called a black mamba, I believe. Yeah, I think I think that is the name of it. Yeah, and uh, so I think to say this staple technology at least the mainstream staplers that we use in the United States, that's one of the biggest costs with this, with this surgery. And that's why they're able to cut the cost. But, um, the leak rate, like in our practice right now is sub 0.1%. Okay. There was data at one of the meetings that coming out of Tijuana in San Diego, some of our colleagues, could be as high as 18%. Mm. Now that was several years ago. It may have improved, but I want patients to understand that there's, it's, it's, there's a difference. There's a huge difference. Well, and I think, so like if our rate is, you know, sub 0.1%, the national um, average in the U S for a leak, the percentage is about 2%. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we're at the very bottom. We've got 2% as a national average and then you've got 18. That is, that's wild. Now, that was, again, I want to put a disclaimer. That was several years ago, and that's one of our colleagues that quoted that because they were taking care of tons of leaks from Tijuana. Well, yeah, if you really want to know what goes in Mexico, ask, ask the guys in San Diego, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the American guys there, because they, any of those initial complications that they just ship over the border, they're going to the hospitals mm -hmm. there in San Diego. Yeah. Um, so if you really want a good insight, and, and even in Texas, down in El Paso, mm -hmm. uh, uh you know, Brownsville, uh, people going over the border and, and having surgery. If you really want to know the true complication profile, follow one of those guys, talk to one of those guys. And during the, one of the meetings, Chelsea, um, one of those guys was presenting and at certain places in Mexico, some patients would request the sleeve and they'd wake up and have gotten the gastric bypass. Oh, I believe that. So they didn't know there wasn't consistency on what surgery they wanted and what surgery they got. So just beware if you go down there. One of my favorite stories to tell people when they come to me and they're considering surgery in Mexico. So I used to work in Houston, as you guys know. So we saw a good amount of patients coming across the border that had had bariatric surgery in Mexico. And one of my like quote unquote favorite ones is awful, but favorite was somebody thought they got the lap band. They came in, they were having tons of issues, couldn't figure it out. They went in, they did a CT and turns out rather than putting a lap band around their stomach, they tied IV tubing. Oh yeah, we've seen around that. their yeah, stomach. Yeah, heard that one. 
definitely you can do the surgery cheaper if you do that. Right. And that's yeah. that's why they they can get the cost down. Right. I mean, they're doing some interesting things. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the other thing too, going back to the complication rates, is they're not um, they're not held accountable to anybody. Well, they're not reporting. No, and there's yeah. no law. You can't sue them. Nobody's surgeon. tracking yeah. that. You know, so it's you know they're home free. Like versus here, like you have people to answer to if your rates start going up. And well, then they don't have to buy malpractice insurance. They don't sure. have to insure things. They don't. I mean, that's that, those are the reasons it's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have to hire a dietitian. So, Bo, yeah. what are we going to do about this? Well, uh, first of all, tell people about it. But you know, let's talk about. You know, I got to pay out of pocket. I need to. I need to find the money. And you know, Chelsea and I did talk about that in a previous podcast. The cost of not doing surgery is, yeah, it's a, it's you know, you see the number and you're like, how am I going to afford that? But the real answer is, how am I not going to afford it? Um, if I look at my quality of life, if I look at my interaction with family, if I look at my job performance, if I look at my max out of pocket because I'm having to buy so many medications, and you know, now I'm on a medication my insurance doesn't cover, and now it's five hundred dollars a month, and my knees are shot, and I can't get a replacement because my orthopedic surgeon says I can't have this done unless I lose weight, but I, I'm not mobile, I can't, I can't work out. Um, there's a litany of reasons to go find that money, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think about money that I spend on a on a monthly basis. I mean, I could I could cut a few things if I need to get something done, you know, or sure. that coffee here, or that that uh, that that membership to this that I never go to. Netflix. And, um, yeah, I mean, speaking of, Crunch went up on their membership prices. It went oh, from yeah. nine ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine. Ooh. And I've been a member there for three years, and I've did two workouts there. <laughs> But you still have, I've it's been, that. I've been paying like, that $15 a month. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, it gift keeps on giving. <laughs> uh, but it's stuff like that. If I really sit down and analyze my day-to-day -day spend, I mean, there's an accumulation of things that I've either forgotten or, you know, I, I keep convincing myself I am going to use it mm -hmm. and I don't use it. And, you know, all the other, you know, things that add on to life, like, you know, the, the pleasures and this and that. I mean, there's, you know, just like how much people spend at Starbucks a day. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's like every time I check out there, I'm like, why did I spend that much? <laughs> why did I come here? Yeah, <laughs> darn it. And, you know, there, there is the option of just writing the check, credit card or, I mean, but we have f finance, we have financing options. And luckily we've, we've been able to partner with a local bank because some of the, the, the big vendors that, uh, that finance medical procedures can, you know, that can get a little cumbersome, you know, what are the, what are the big ones out there? Care credit. Care credit. Um, some of those. But here locally, Emerald National Bank, you know, realizing that, you know, they needed to pour into the community from a health and wellness perspective. Uh, luckily, their their whole mission at that bank is really focused around keeping, you know, wanting to keep people healthy and mm -hmm. active in the community. Uh, have come along and partnered with us to, to allow for some financing, you know, equaling out to like, you know, three to $400 a month if you really look at it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's options out there. You, you, you know, just come in, ask questions. We'll, we'll try to point you in the right direction. But, you know, I, I tell people any money you invest in your health is never money was, wasted. I agree. Yeah. Um, and if you look at just years of productivity, being able to work, interaction with family, interaction with friends, how you're involved in the community, every dollar you spend on your health will see return. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think everybody's convinced of that. I think it comes down to priorities. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of us... Um, don't prioritize our health until we're slapped in the face one day right. and we can't do the things that we were doing before. And I think that that's, um, I think you just have to really realize that you've got to spend money on your health 
and invest in that, whether it be time, effort, or actually money. Mm-hmm. And, I, and we were talking about that this morning. Uh, healthy food is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason America is in, their, in the problem that we are, we have the cheapest food in the world. We use 9% of our, our paycheck goes to food. In most countries, it's 25%. And so cheap food has gotten us to this point. So you have to, to eat healthy. You have to invest. You have to spend the money and prioritize. We're going to take a break there and bring in advertisement about healthy food <laughs> options. Something we've been enjoying on our cooking show, Cooking with Chelsea, is the beef from Ribbon Wire Ranch. Uh, they are a local farm near Dalhart that sells premium organic beef from pasture to doorstep. So you can go to their website, ribbonwire.com. Uh, when you check out, use the code PWLC and you'll get 10% off your order. We hope you enjoy. All right, and we're back. Um, in our break, we were talking about a, a post that, uh, that don't, don't take this the wrong way politically. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not promoting anybody, or, but a good source of knowledge. Uh, RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr. just uh, did a post on social media about industrial agriculture in America. And kind of going back to Dr. Blue's statement about, you know, food production, the affordability, the, the cheap nature of producing, there are long-term problems with that, that, uh, you know, it's probably the root of our problems in America mm-hmm. as far as health and wellness goes. So if you want to know about where industrial agriculture kind of went, went wrong, uh, good post, check it out. I'm not, once again, I'm not promoting anybody <laughs> politically, um, but that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so. Anything else on affordability, financing of procedures? Well, I think, like you said, it goes back to priorities. So I think you have to have a sit down and I think you really have to say before your health gets out of control, you need to look at your life and say in the next 10 years, where am I going to be and what do I need to do to be where I want to be, not the path that I'm currently on and take finances and resources into account there. Yeah. Everybody, all my patients hear this, but my, and if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard this, but my philosophy on my health and wellness journey is I'm training to be 90. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, you got to look the long term, right. If, uh, you know, and I'm, we keep teasing this, but we're going to get to Peter Tia's outlive book at some point, but <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but looking at, um, you know, the last two decades of your life, right. Uh, most people are working their tails off. They're earning and saving and trying to get to retirement. And what do you want that to look like? You know, what, what is that, what is that value of, uh, of being able to enjoy that time? You know, I'm not, I'm not even, you know, talking about the time you're, you're losing actively, like in day-to-day life currently, what does it look like when you're 65? Mm-hmm. What does it look like when you're 75? What does it look like when you're 85? And, you know, most people don't want to look that far down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to encourage people to act sooner, act, you know, intervene on your health. Think about preventative medicine. Think about where you are and where you want to go. And, you know, some, some of us don't have time to sit down and think about that. Some of us just ignore it. We don't want to think about it. Some of us uh, kind of uh, address it, look at it and say, well, nothing works anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's where we don't want you to be. Uh, we want you to think, you know, there's something and you should think. I can do something about this. I can make a stand. I can make some changes. I can look at what options are available. And there's no shame to that. You know, that's an, I think that's another big thing with, um, 
with weight loss surgery is that that hesitancy, whether it be, you know, I'm cheating or I am um, I'm taking the easy way out, and which neither one of those are true. You're not definitely not cheating. You're definitely not taking the easy way out. Um, so, you know, being honest with yourself, like, hey, am I getting to where I want to go? Do I need another tool? Do I need a bigger tool? You know, do I need something to really drive my effort home or encourage me to put in effort? You know? Yeah. Okay. So what are we going to do to help patients out? Okay. So uh, we're going to roll out a program in the month of September. So if you book a consult in the month of September, we're going to, we're labeling this the buddy program. Uh, So if you, we're encouraging, what we're trying to do is encourage people to go through this with a partner whether it be your spouse, whether it be your friend, whether it be your sister, but to buddy up, to, to get someone with you. It could be two, it could be three, it could be five. Uh, and go through the, the program together. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a 25% reduction on the professional fee. And we'll need to describe that in a little bit more detail. There's three things that go into surgery. Uh, financially, there's a professional fee, which pays the surgeons in the clinic, there's the anesthesia fee, which pays the anesthesiologist. And there's the facility fee, which p- pays the place where you're having surgery. We're not, we can't, uh, we can't tell all the other folks to offer the discount, but professionally on our side, on the surgeon side, on the clinic side, we're going to do a 25% discount. Uh, if you walk this with somebody, uh, accountability partner, wife partner, whatever, whatever it may look like for you. Um, but if you book in the month of September, uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, and there are some limitations there. If you have insurance coverage and you're not paying cash, this doesn't apply <laughs> because we can't give insurance discounts. That's illegal. I don't want to wear orange. Um, but that's what we're going to roll out. Awesome. I like it. Sounds good. So we'll be rolling out more details here soon. Yeah. Specifics. You can check our, I'm sure we'll be posting about it on social media. So check our Facebook page. Yeah, we thought about uh, putting a little code in this podcast for only the podcast listeners, but (laughs) pretty unfair. So Yeah, but you guys are special to us, so just know we appreciate you for listening. Oh, yeah, and if you haven't liked uh, (laughs) our our feed, if you haven't followed, go ahead and do that now. That's uh, right. Because, uh, you know, that keeps us going, keeps us uh, the ability to do this and get more information out to you guys. So if you haven't liked or followed, uh, please do so. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What else we got? Well, 10 minutes left. We got to fill it. I think having a buddy for surgery is great. Uh, the accountability. Accountability is yeah. huge. We see a lot of spouses that go through this mm-hmm. together, and I think they do better mm-hmm. uh, just because they're on the same page. They understand what each other's going through. Uh, it's a reprioritization of food in the house. Um, I've always talked about this. If the bad food's in the house, I eat it. Yeah. And so just having your spouse involved, um, I think it affects the kids. Um, so I think the buddy system's great. Yeah. And if you have a buddy system, it's like, okay, everybody's going to have an off day. But the chances of you both having your off day on the same day are slim. So then if you're like, you know what, I'm not really feeling cooking or going to work out, but your partner is like, hey, we're doing this. Like, I'm going to pick up the slack for you today. And another day, you know, you're going to pick up the slack for me. So I think it's helpful. Okay. Well, we're talking about outcomes, you know, uh, we, I, we were going to save this for another podcast, but since we got 10 minutes, let's, let's drag it into it. The results, uh, with surgery, with lack of follow-up versus staying engaged with long-term follow-up. Mm-hmm. What are y'all's thoughts? 
there's data to show that long-term follow-up is is essential and patients do better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it is just, I, I relate it to my own self. Um, when I am living this every day, I have the accountability of my patients, my, my, all my team that I get up every morning and I know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I've got to make some good choices today. It's when you walk this by yourself and you disappear and you have no one to speak into your life and to give you good, good criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, there's good data to support that long-term follow-up. Those patients are most successful. Mm-hmm. So Chelsea, what does follow-up look like? Yeah. So I think uh, follow-up in our clinic is as much as you want it to be ultimately, but we recommend, so you're going to do a two-week and a six-week follow-up just to check for those surgical complications. And then about every three months for that first year. After that, every six-ish months. Um, we're kind of playing around with it right now. We're doing about every other visit with a dietitian, so me versus one of our mid-level providers, you know, a nurse practitioner or a PA, um, just to kind of flip back and forth. And I think that's helpful too, because, um, you know, most of the time it's nutrition, but occasionally, you know, you've got you want to hear somebody else's perspective. You know, you might need a little check-in with your lab work or with your medications or, you know, just some encouragement. So we all bring something different to the table, I think, as well with personalities and all of that. So, um, and then, you know, long-term follow-up annually, um, just to, if anything else, just to have that check-in and say, hey, how am I doing? What, what are you learning? You know, what can you teach me more about nutrition, my body, health, wellness? Yeah. So what I want to re- reiterate here is that was a minimal follow-up. Right. We want you to be engaged as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. And, and I realize the difficulties with long-term follow-up. You know, do, what value do I get? What What am I learning? Uh, gosh, you know, I got to pay that copay or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, but the result, the, the, the data is the data. The, mm-hmm. the, the more you stay engaged, the more questions you ask, the more you look at us as an accountability partner along the way, the better you're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, there's multiple reasons for not following up. Mm-hmm. I don't have a babysitter. I don't have the 30 bucks. I didn't really get much out of the last visit. Um, you know, there's, you can make up a litany of excuses. Uh, but we also want to empower you. I mean, we give lots of education, ask questions, mm-hmm. you know, uh, write down what you, uh, you know, like, like you encourage people to, to journal, mm-hmm. you know, going into a visit, like, what am I eating? Mm-hmm. What can I talk you know, talk to these people about what can I get from this? You know, if it's, if it's just the pat on your back that you want, then you're, you're going to fall off. Right. Right. But if you continue asking questions about your health and wellness journey, the better you're going to do. For sure. And I think also I've, I've seen that thing, this realm is changing so quickly. And a lot of patients, for example, say they had a sleeve many years ago, they're, they're regaining some weight. Uh, A switch is an option. A sleeve to switch is an option. Uh, using some of these new GLP-1 agonists is an option. Uh, using a continuous glucose monitor. So our team is rolling out all, we're, we're constantly trying to roll out as many tools that we can to help patients lose weight. And I think also just listen to the podcast. We're trying to mm-hmm. put out the, the latest and greatest information that we're learning. And so that engagement, I think, is really essential because there's new tools to help. For sure. And I think also to, to, to know and to, to really emphasize, you know, if people, you know, do have surgery and they get six, month, six months out and they're like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not where I should be. Oh, I don't want to go talk to them. They're going to think I'm a failure. 
uh, health, health and wellness, weight, it's a lifelong journey. Yeah, you will shift gears many times. You will need somebody to help you shift those gears. Uh, we we want to put an official statement out there that we do not judge. Mm-hmm. We, we no there, shame. There is no right. shame if if you have surgery and you start experiencing some, some weight weight regain. Reach out early. You know, don't don't kick it down the road. Kick it down the road. Oh, they're going to be so mad at me. They're going to be. I'm embarrassed. No, that's not how it works. We realize that it's not a one size fits all. It's not a one and done. It's not a you know, I did one thing and I don't have to worry about it. It is constant intervention, constant interaction, constant education, constant, you know, willingness to experiment. Um, so, you know, that'd be my disclaimer is like, Hey, no judgment. If you're struggling, get in here, whether it's surgery, whether it's non-surgery, whether you had a surgery in Mexico, whether you had a surgery 20 years ago with somebody else. I mean, we, you know, we want to help you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great spot to end on Bo. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. You'll have a good afternoon. Don't, right. don't forget to follow or like. That's right. And go look at the Facebook post of the push-up challenge. Oh, there's that. <laughs> All right.